Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as, I, as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. For what? For joy, verse 45. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And, is ho- and holy is his name, verse 50. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can openly gather without persecution today and that not only here but all across America, houses of worship, people coming together to worship and glorify your name. I ask that you would give us living understanding in the moments that remain in the service today and that the words that I speak would be injected with your power, your anointing to break every rock, to break every a hard heart to release your power in such a way that we would never be the same. And I thank you and I praise you for it in Jesus' name. Would you put your hand on your own heart and just pray for yourself that God would give you ears to hear. Come on. God, give us ears to hear. And a heart to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we've been doing a series, as I said, called the, uh, Mary and Bright messages to assist you in this incredible time of uh, celebration. Christmas is the most celebrated holiday in all the world. It is celebrated in every nation all around the world. It is more celebrated than any other holiday on the face of the earth. Now that is amazing. I've entitled this The Magnificent Revolution. Now, the spelling there is a transliteration from Latin, right? It's a Latin word. How many of you ever heard that before? You've been in church for a long time. You might have heard it before because it is a reference to a, one of the very first early Christian hymns. And in preparation of this message, I have, like I do with just about all of the messages as I study, I read lots of commentaries. And uh, not every commentary is good. Uh, there, are, there are commentaries where you, you know, you've read a text and God speaks to your heart. Then you go to look at the commentary and the commentary just falls flat on the ground. And you're like, man, I don't, I don't know, really? <laughs> I see so much more there. And that can be the case for we all, you know, we see in part. But one of the things that was interesting about this text 
was the word revolutionary was in every single commentary that I read. And uh, it, it's, it's called the, the Magnificent, is it, a statement, the Song of Mary is a revolutionary statement that some say, and I'll quote some of them here in a moment, have, have literally changed the earth. And uh, I just never saw this that way. Most of you skip over it when you're reading, like, oh, yeah, the Song of Mary, and then you just go on. Here's what Dutch theologian said, the Magnificent announces a powerful revolutionary principles. Another religious, uh, another theologian, part of me, Morrow, talks about being a revolutionary germ. Barclay, an, an English theologian, said the Magnificent is a bombshell. He goes on to say that people have read it so often that they've forgotten its revolutionary terror. It takes the standards of the world and it turns them upside down. He goes on to say that it brings revolutions in three different areas, and that's economic revolution, political revolution, and a moral revolution. He goes on to say in another place that the, the, the Russian czars were terrified of this particular verse of Scripture. Luther, Martin Luther, Martin Luther, the reformer from Germany, said that, that uh, it fosters revolutionaries in our churches, comforts the lowly and terrifies the rich. Uh, another one, Gilmore, another theologian, Gilmore, said, the church needs the leaven of discontentment. And the, the Magnificent makes the church restive against poverty and wretchedness. The word revolution, uh, without giving you just a, a formal definition, I mean, if you think about revolution, what do you think about? I mean, you think about, I think about the American Revolution. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. The overthrowing of tyrannical rule of Great Britain and, uh, and King George. I think about the French Revolution. That didn't go so well. Didn't go well at all because their God was a God of reason. And uh, the American Revolution, they had a great revival in the 1700s prior to the Revolution, and their God was the Lord God Almighty. And the Black Robe Regiment were preachers that declared and proclaimed the truth of God's Word. So there was a moral compass in the hearts of revolutionaries, moral, moral compass in the hearts of, of the people that caused a revolution. So there wasn't these atrocities like the guillotine, and you just get your head cut off because people didn't like you. Of course, there was horrible things that took place there in, in France that, were, that would justify judgment for sure. But it was a slaughtering based upon man's reason. The problem with that is that what you think might be true and what I think might be true might not connect. If man is the center of all things, we have a major problem. I, uh, I, I go to the gym uh, pretty frequently, and uh, one of my rewards for going there is the steam room. And all of you that understand that, understand that. If you don't understand, it's okay. I mean, I just sit in the steam room or the sauna, and uh, I just, it's just a reward. I just sit there for as long as I can. I do these cycles of, of cold plunges and, and, uh, and then back in the steam room. And in talking with a man, I've had, I, I need to write a book, you know, Tales from the Steam Room or something. <laughs> Because I've had so many things happen that are supernatural where God has spoken to people or spoken to me and just incredible things happen. And I was talking to a man 
Well, I was talking to another brother from another church, and we were, I know his story, so he's going through divorce, and it's difficult. And so he was talking about that a little bit, and he asked me, you know, how is it that someone can have these thoughts about someone else and it be totally incorrect? Well, I referenced last week's message, and if you didn't get that, you need to, you need to go get that about strongholds. Because lots of people have strongholds. And, and, it, and it, through that stronghold or through that memory, that a stronghold is a mindset that's impregnated with hopelessness that's contrary to God's word. So through that stronghold, uh, even memories can... Come on, you, you all, we, anybody have memories of Christmas? You know, I meant to tell this story. And if I don't get to all my notes, then maybe I'll finish it tonight. Amen. When our kids were tiny... We were living in a place called Makawao. We had a 1997 Toyota 4Runner. And it's hot in Hawaii. That's where we were. And uh, one of the kids had gotten sick. And, uh, and they, they hurled. We, we were on the island of Kauai. Thank you, Pastor Karen. But it was a 1997 4Runner. Okay, I got that part right. So we're on Kauai, and one of our kids hurled. That's a gracious way of saying throw up. So they threw up in the car. And I forget how it happened, but I think, I think, I think it was a Sunday, and we're, we're pastoring two different churches. Pastor Vince, Minister Ava were helping us back then as well, and pastoring two different churches. And it's like, you know, if you have a problem in your car, you know, Three minutes before you got to go preach, guess what? It's going to wait till you clean it. Well, that's not so good. In the beaming, blazing sun of the Hawaiian Islands. And so this thing got baked into the seats. I mean, like bad. Really bad. And so, you know, I mean, like we're driving with all the windows down, hanging our heads out so that we don't add to it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So... Now, how I'm going to take this, tie into the steam room, and back into the revolutionary magnificent, I'm not quite sure, but we're, we're, we're out there. Here we go. Welcome to Kings. We're so glad you're here. So we'd have to drive with the windows down, and uh, it was right at the holidays. It was right, you know, it was like the week before Christmas. It was right in there. And uh, so Monday comes, and uh, I think we scraped it up. You know, it's baked into the seats already, so... You know, we cleaned it up that, you know, as soon as we could after our services. But it's too late. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, we needed to get like, like rip the seats out or something, get new seats, you know, shampoo them, all that. So we, we did as much as we could. But Monday, it's still bad. So Monday, I get up and I go down to the post office, which is just down the street. And it's horrible. I mean, I've got my windows down. I pull up to the post office. And that particular post office in Makawao is one of those ones where the engineers, they, they try to get extra parking spaces in like they're not letting us do in our building. And so they, our new one, amen, there's real tight regulations on parking. So I guess they didn't have any of those things back then because, I mean, you, you could hardly get out of your door and the lines were right there. It's very tight. So I pull in and this lady's, you know, sliding past my truck with all the windows down with the smell of vomit inside the car, Okay. So she, she walks by, and I see, her I see her walk by. She's got her hand like this, and I'm like, oh, God, you know? So she walks by, and she's like, 
she stops in front of the truck, turns around, comes back and says, I'm so sorry. And she's crying. She's got tears. So I'm so sorry. Is that, is that gingerbread? I said, uh, she goes, I, I, I haven't smelled that since I was a girl. I, I just, God bless you. Merry Christmas. I said, Merry Christmas. She walks off. I thought, my God, what was choking me and making me almost add to it? Somebody else had the perception of it being gingerbread. How many of you know it wasn't gingerbread, but to her, a swelling emotions and like anointing of Christmas and the holidays. And I'm sure she went home and made some or something. As I was talking to this man in the steam room, he had these ideas that were completely doctrines of devils. And as I spent some time with him, and it's always hard to get into theological discussions in a steam room because you start timing out. You know what I mean? It's like you can only stay in there so long. And uh, anyway, we, we went the distance. I was able to outstay him. And... Uh, <laughs> with the help of the Lord and destroyed his whole argument about why we're a God that forgot and that we just need to change the way that we think and we'll remember that we're the Lord. We, we are, you are not the Lord. I'm not the Lord. But we are redeemed by him. And this text is profound. Come on, let's, let's, let's get into this here just, just a little bit. This, this is a song of Mary and the story before, which I'll talk about. It's, it's a revolutionary bombshell because it takes all the values of the world and it spins it on its head. It, it's, like, it's, like the, uh, it's like the Sermon on the Mount. It's like the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are like the, the, the bylaws of the kingdom. You want to work along with the grace and the power of God to see the grace of God move in a greater way in your life? Do the Beatitudes. Start living the Beatitudes. And if you live that way, your heart just gets on fire. You're like, what are the Beatitudes? Matthew, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Memorize it. Get, get into it. Learn the Sermon on the Mount. Not holiness and purity and blessed are the poor in heart and on and on and on. So when Mary sings this under the, under the, the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it's absolutely revolutionary to anybody that would hear it. Amen. That God just does these three different areas, economy, sociology, and politics. He, he, he brings this revolution. The name Magnificent comes from a Latin version of the hymn. And uh, you, I, I thought I'd put it up and maybe have Brother Toby sing in Latin. But I decided that that might bore some of you. But it is one of the oldest, oldest hymns in, in Christianity. It's similar to the Song of Hannah. How many of you know the Song of Hannah? You can find that uh, in uh, 1 Samuel. And in fact, in the naming of my daughter Hannah, we had this prophetic word that she would be a worship leader before she was born. We had a prophetic word that she would be a worship leader, that she would be in the arts, and she would dance, and she'd have all these incredible gifts for worship and so on and so forth. So we're looking for a name, and we're praying. And I was in, in my classes back then studying to receive my credentialing and, and, and studying the life of Christ. It was the very first class I was in. And I remember where I was sitting when I started to read and realize that that, that 
that those words of Hannah in 1 Samuel were really a song. And it's a song about how God gave her victory over her enemies, but it's very similar to this song here. Except this one is about, about the joy that Mary has, and not, not victory over her enemies so much, but the joy that Mary has. What is the Magnificent Revolution? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you asked. We really need one. I don't know if you noticed this week. Did anybody notice the news this week? I don't mean in America. I mean in England. Has any, did anybody see that? There is a man by the name of Boris Johnson. I, I got that right? And he is, uh, he is, is becoming or is now the, the new prime minister. And he overthrew Great Britain in a way that is remarkably like Trump did in the United States of America. And places that hadn't, that hadn't been conservative turned and became conservative and Brexit is, is on the way. And I will just tell you that people are sick and tired of being sick and tired. They're, they want to return to what is right based really, I believe, I believe it's a prophetic thing based upon Scripture. The Magnificent Revolution is about people who live a lifestyle of dedication, adoration, praise, and worship unto God. That's what it is. It's people that say, you know something? I'm going to worship him with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my strength because of what he has done for me. The Magnificent Revolution, it's a lifestyle of praise, right in your notes. A lifestyle of what? A lifestyle of praise. It's praising God with your whole heart. It's, it's living a life, thank you, Pastor Vince. It's living a life of complete dedication, of wholeheartedness towards the Lord. Living a life which praises God. Come on, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that what? They would see your good deeds and do what? They'd give glory to God because when they look at you, they'd be like, there's gotta be a God. I mean, wow, that's what it is. It's, it's, it's being a revolutionary that runs cross-grain to our entire culture. If ever we needed a people to rise and to overthrow the tyranny of demonic oppression and opioid, the opioid addiction and, and begin to declare, I'm going to tell you, I don't know what you're going through in your life or maybe you're online. If you've come into this place and you need God to help you, to heal you, you've come to the right place. You've come to receive healing and the blessing of God. You've come to the right place. And again, it's not about Republicans or Democrats. It's about the King of Kings. And when we restore His Word to our schools and restore his word in our homes and instead of crying out for the Ten Commandments which were taken from the Capitol Rotunda or something, they get restored to our own hearts, our own lives that we apply that thing instead of point the finger at somebody and begin to live a life of radical worship and praise unto God who's worthy of all oh, come on, he's worthy of it all, he's worthy I said he's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy the scriptures repeatedly say the name of the Lord be praised. The, over and over and over, the name of the Lord be praised. In fact, I think we should say it. The name of the Lord be praised. And that's really why we've gathered today. It's really the most important meeting that's happening in the entire state of Alaska. Churches, not just this one. The body of Christ that, that, that really preaches the good news of Jesus. The resurrection from the dead. Salvation. God's word. You see, as a Christian, back to the steam room. I won't talk about gingerbread anymore, but I will go back to the steam room and say, 
And this is the thing that flipped over this man's understanding. Who is your ultimate authority? See, to this precious man, who I believe will come to, come to his senses, so he was, you could just feel him boiling, not happy with me. But the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Listen, if somebody, in, in my, this is how I see it. If somebody's going to bring some false teaching, and I'm happen to be there, I can't let it go. I'm so sorry. I can't, because I'm going to be accountable for everybody that's listening to it. And if you're telling me, and it's a lie, it's contrary to Scripture, I have to lovingly correct you, because I'm going to be held accountable. And, it's, and I wish it would, and, and there are times when I'm moved by the love of God, and other times I just want them to shut up. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, so other times I'm doing it for my own benefit, because I don't want to hear you anymore and you're completely incorrect and I have to help you because I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So that, that's, that's the base motivation for confronting false doctrines of demons and idolatry. That's the base. Ba- it should really come from your heart, right? So anyway, I, I asked him ultimately, it was one of the last things we said. I said, really the question is, who's your authority? Because everything you've told me, you've basically, you know, blended uh, with a combination of a bunch of different religions, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet on God's word. And I went and then brought about why I'm going to bet on the authority of Scripture. And I said, so the word of God is my authority, and God's word is completely not what you're saying. So I can't believe what you're going to say. And he looked at me, and he said, huh. I said, so who's your ultimate authority, you? He was too hot at that point and had to get out of the steam room. And I said it a little nicer than that. In the Old Testament, you'll see, in the Old Testament, you'll see um, three words for praise. That's halal, yada, and zamar. Write in, write in your notes. Halal is, is a, well, what's interesting about all three of them is the roots of those words all have different meaning, but they all mean praise. And when we understand the meaning of the roots in the Hebrew, it, 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 it comes together. Uh, Eucharista is the New Testament word for praise, and I'll talk about that in a moment. But halal is the, it's where we get hallelujah. It's the same in every language. The Asian would be hariruya, but, but, it, but, but it's the same. And, it, and you know what it means? You know what it means? Some of you didn't get that. What it means is, so that was prejudice. No, it wasn't. Relax. I've had people make fun of my New York accent. It's, it's all good. We've got churches in Japan and all over the world, and we love the body of Christ. We love human beings, all of them. Amen. And they still say, hariruya. But, they, but it's, the same, it's just a different pronunciation of what you're saying, Hallelujah. Go ahead, say hallelujah. hallelujah. Okay, it means to make noise. It means, it means to make noise unto God. Somebody, you know, people ask me, what kind of church do you pastor? And I, I go back and forth on how to answer that question. Uh, we're an assembly of God church in that we're ascribed to the 16 fundamental truths of the assemblies of God. Right, we're sovereign in that they don't own our property. They don't put our pastors in place. We love the assemblies, and we're connected in this cooperative fellowship with them, all right? That's what we are, all right? So somebody says, what are you? I don't say assembly of God all the time because, honestly, in America, assembly of God has gotten a bad rap, or, or maybe 
uh, maybe there's another way to say that, but hello. <laughs> so we're certainly not a non-denominational church, so I generally answer this way. Uh, we're a Pentecostal church. And they go, oh, oh, you're one of those. You're one of those loud churches. And I think, yeah, yep, we are. Got a, most, many, many, I should say it this way, many Pentecostal churches' reputation has been there's a lot of oil throwing, chandelier swinging, screaming and hollering with no depth in the word. That is not who we are. As an evidence by the message you're hearing right now. We love God's word, teach God's word. Halal or hallelujah means to make. Listen, if you don't like noise, and, and maybe it shouldn't be called noise, it's praise. Sound, sound. If you don't like it, you're going to hate heaven. I'm just going to tell you. You're gonna hate. you think it's loud here? You think it's loud here during worship? It's very loud. And you want to know the noise that you don't want to hear? The weeping and the gnashing of teeth. You don't want to hear that noise. That's the noise that's in hell. There's a sound in hell. You don't want to participate in that. You don't want to hear that. Come on, somebody shout with a voice of triumph today. Hey. <laughs> the second word is yada. And it's gestures. Gestures like the lifting of the hands, like what Minister Barry was like, right? It's gestures. It's lifting your hands. It's, it's moving your feet. It's dancing. Now, I don't do that so much. Pastor Karen, she's the dancer in the family. Yada. You see, when, when in the Old Testament and then in the New, if there isn't sound, if there isn't something that happens literally with your physical body, then, you know, you got to wonder, and the last one is zamar, which is why we are such a singing, worshiping church. It means to sing. Zamar, the concept of singing and playing music. We're exuberating. We have an, an exuberating church here at King's. Why is that? We've been redeemed from the curse. Come on, I, I tried to find a video of somebody winning millions of dollars uh, through the, the lottery, and I... I didn't find the video, but I, I came across a lot of really sad stories that I couldn't help but read a few of them of how these people won, what, this one guy, uh, $314 million in 2002 at the, at the, I don't know what it is, the Powerball something or other, three-state deal in New York. And anyway, you read his story six years later. He says, I wish I ripped up the ticket. His kids are dead. He's lost all his money. His house burned to the ground. His wife left him. He's totally destroyed. We have something. Come on. We, we worship one who is incorruptible. We worship that which, which is not money, money, mammon. We don't worship mammon. We worship God. And when you realize what God has done, when you come to an understanding and a revelation of who he is, that's what's happening with Mary. Mary's like, <laughs> wow, whoa, you chose me. You chose me. He doesn't choose qualified people. He picks people whose hearts are right. He picks somebody who's desperately longing for him. And even still, he'll pick someone just out of his own sovereignty because he wants to, but certainly not because you're high and lofty and think that you might know something. In fact, I will tell you, the more that I learn, the more that I realize I don't know very much. And such is the case with all people in education. If they're honest and walking in humility, you realize, well, shoot, I didn't know any of that. I thought I knew something. Now I know more, and I realize I know even less. New Testament. 
it, when you realize what the Lord has done, you might say, hallelujah. When you realize, you might make a loud noise. You might, you, might, you might lift your hands. And in actual fact, when you realize what Jesus has done, those are the things that happen in your life. So somebody said to me, well, you're, you, you guys are a little bit loud. I said, well, we just love Jesus. I mean, we were, I mean, the person has got stage four cancer that's come here, and, and maybe you have some in this, in this service now. Stage four cancer, healed. Go back, get tested. They're like, we don't know what happened. I guess you're in remission. Let me see, you go from like, all kinds of surgery and, and you know, all kinds of treatment, and they say, well, uh, it's not there. We're not sure what happened. Um, I guess it's a miracle. Well, when you have somebody like that that comes in and they give credit to God, I mean, what does that look like? <laughs> Praise God, I was, uh, I was dying and he healed me. I don't believe you. I, I, I just don't believe so. I just don't say, really? Do you really believe that yourself? Your marriage is on the rocks, and, and you fall back in love, and God heals everything. Do you know what that looks like? Yeah, it looks a little bit like that. Come on, think about what God has done for you. Somebody ought to give him praise in the house of God. All right, back to your notes. Back to your notes. In the New Testament word for praise is Eucharistine, pardon me, or to give thanksgiving. And so it's this expression of joy. The idea is that the coming of God's kingdom into the world is marked by restoration of praise and joy. A restoration of praise and joy. So when you, when you realize everything that Jesus has done, what will happen in you is restoration of praise and joy. I said it before. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. I've said it before. It's a quote uh, from my mother. And then I actually looked it up on Google last night and found out that it was quoted just a little bit differently by others. But it stayed in my heart. And which is this, joy is the flag that flies from the heart that has Jesus enthroned. So when you love Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, joy is a natural thing that happens. I have, I've had people come and, and say to me, yeah, I, uh, I didn't really enjoy church. Did I? I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Is, is everything okay? And I, I, I've actually had people tell me this more than one. This, uh, you guys are just way too happy. I mean, what do you say to that? Uh, sorry? I'm sorry I'm happy. I'm like, um, I was going to hell. He saved me. I was lost. Now I'm found. I'm happy. <laughs> it's, it's a, happiness is good news. I mean, for the love of God, what? you fold your hands and speak in Elizabethan English? He saved you. He healed you. He set you free. Ah! Come on. I think about people who prayed for their families and then their kids get saved. You should see mothers and fathers when their kids were lost and broken and hurting and they come back to the Lord and they're worshiping God in the same service. You know what that looks like? Tears running down their face and they're like, look what the Lord has done. Hallelujah! Come on, say Hallelujah! First Peter 2, watch this, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I hear Pastor Vince quote this all the time in prayer. A holy nation, a people belonging to God, 
that you may, that you may, that you, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know, this is profound. Go back. That you may, that you may. You actually, you and I actually have the honor and the privilege, which really is my next point. It's a privilege and a duty we may. May I, ha- may I go into the fridge, Mom, and, uh, and, and have some candy or whatever? May, may I, Mother, may I? Father, may, may I please? There's, there's a, uh, there is a tremendous privilege of being one who would worship God. And we've lost that in many circles. But I'm reading through this and studying this text, and I'm realizing, man, we need a magnificent revolution. We need a revolution of people understanding what they're doing day in, day out, loving him, worshiping him, the privilege. You actually are allowed to read his word. Do you know that the word of God was not even in the hands of people during the day of Martin Luther? And when the Catholics came out with it in 1950-something, the Douay version, it was chained to pews. You couldn't bring it home. Some of you might remember that. I have a copy of the first Dewey version. Uh, I think it's the second printing, 1952. And in it is some nonsense about, about uh, indulgences and so on and so forth. But the Word of God was kept out of the hands of people. What you hold in your hand right now, this, what you have on your phone right now, what you're holding in your hand is the most accurate historical document on the face of the earth. And many, you say, well, I don't know about that. That's because you've not studied. You've not, you've not been educated. And you've not really cared enough to take a look at why it actually is that. The Word of God really is God's Word. I might preach in a second. We were looking up the mathematical possibilities we looked at the mathematical possibilities, and you can do it too on Google, on, on, on just eight of the scriptures coming to pass in the Old Testament to the New at the birth of Jesus, his death, and his resurrection. Just eight. Now there's 300. There's 300. So just eight. Here's the illustration. The odds of those eight scriptures in the Old Testament coming to pass at the first advent, the coming of Jesus Christ, the odds of that are like covering the smaller state of Texas with silver dollars two feet deep across the entire state and sending a blind man in to find the one silver dollar that you marked with a pen. You put a little check mark with a sharpie and you threw it in that pile, and the one, the blind guy walks in, and the first try picks up the silver dollar. Those are the odds. Tenth to the 17th power. Thank you, doctor. So then when you, when you go and you go, let's just add eight more. When you add eight more, now there's 300. So we have zero understanding of the possibilities of that. In fact, and that's a tenth to the 45th power, I believe. And that's like taking the surface of the sun, and I'm probably not going to get this right, but covering the entire thing with silver dollars. You know, it's just this ridiculous impossibility. you got to have more faith that, that God didn't write what you're holding in your hand than he did. And what, ought to, what that ought to do in you 
is make you a revolutionary. You make you, it's a privilege and a duty. The most important thing that's happening, I said it earlier, in America, across the state, I know there was great governmental meetings and impeachment things going on and on and on and on throughout the United States of America. Governmental meetings, I'm sure there's educational meetings, I'm sure there's meetings over the arts and culture and all of those things, very important, no doubt. The most important, the most important meeting all week in the United States of America or any other nation for that part is the body of Christ getting together to pray, to preach God's word, and to declare the kingdom of God is at hand. That is the most important thing that happens. So when we gather to worship the creator, the redeemer, it's, it's, it's an incredible thing. We're, we're commanded to worship. Listen to this quote from C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was a was a, uh, a scholar, one of the finest minds in the 20th century that was an atheist. And uh, I just feel led to share this story. He was an atheist, and uh, he got off. He was headed to go uh, speak at a university. He got off at a train. He had directions. When you get off the train, just look for the university spire, walk to the spire, and, and go. Now, C.S. Lewis died in 1963. He wrote all kinds of prolific writers. An amazing uh, theologian, really, and thinker. Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the, the, the Chronicles of Narnia. Those are all, those are all uh, stories, really, about the kingdom of God, when you really understand it. And so he gets off this train, and he, and he gets off, and he starts walking, and he's looking for the spire. Well, he doesn't see it, so he thinks it's, it just must be beyond. It's just beyond there. And he keeps walking, he keeps walking, and finally he realizes he's heading outside of the city. So he stops and he's like, huh, where's the spire? He turns around and sees it completely on the opposite side. He got off the train and never thought to himself that maybe it's behind him. And the Lord spoke to him and said, is it possible that your thinking is completely wrong? And he became a believer out of that experience and to others. He wrote in a book called Reflections about praise, and it's about worship. Listen to the words of C.S. Lewis. Praise does not merely express, but completes the enjoyment in God. With God commanding us, listen, commanding us to glorify him, and you understand, I'm not going to take time to prove that through Scripture, but we're commanded to worship him. Really, we are. With God commanding us to glorify him, listen, he's inviting us. To enjoy him. Wow. When God is commanding us to glorify him, it's an invitation to enjoy him. Come on, let's have a praise break all across this place. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, how to be, how to be a worshiper? Let me give you three thoughts uh, from this text. Be open to the work of the Holy Spirit. When you read this text, you're, you're struck with what's happening. Gabriel shows up. Visits Mary, a 13-year-old, give or take. I mean, we don't know exactly. Young girl. And says, you've been chosen. And she's like, what? Yeah, the power. How is that possible? The power of the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. And, and, and then, then the, the angel says, and your, your, uh, your cousin, Elizabeth, is also pregnant. And, and she's six months pregnant. And so the Holy Spirit brings, brings joy. You know, she comes, to, she comes to see Elizabeth, and when she greets Elizabeth, immediately Elizabeth starts prophesying. He brings joy. When the Holy Spirit comes, he brings joy. 
Listen, years ago, 1995, we had a move of the Spirit of God. We were a Pentecostal church long before that, have been since we were, since founded in 1922. But something happened in 1995 where God came and hit us with a revelation of joy. I, I like saying it this way. I learned the phrase in 1995. The mortuary is down the street. The church is supposed to be a place of joy. People need joy. They need hope. And when you have a revelation of who he is, when you understand who he is and what he's done, and he's given you his word, he's given you his spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. When you realize that where you could be, you have a revelation that you were ahead of the hell, but he came and he set you free. He died for you. And he even gave you a desire in your own heart to believe on him that ought to bring joy 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 j-o-y joy 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 when we had our first our first child hannah we gave her the middle name of joy you know why because it was our first child, and we were overjoyed, not only in our own life, but we're like, oh, yeah. Anybody else had a child? Joy is a natural response. It comes from a healthy parent, healthy relationship. When you understand, it's, it's this mark, this flag that flies. It's, many churches become, they become ritualistic. Do you know what I mean by that? They're, 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 there's no joy. That's not us. Because we're a spirit-filled church. Are you saying that other churches aren't spirit-filled? I'm not saying anything about it. I, I, other than I love, we love our brethren. I love the Baptists. I, I love the Lutherans. I, I love the Catholics, so long as they stay away from the worship of Mary and all that. And each Catholic church is different. all depends on whatever priest is there. I've seen churches, Catholic churches with priests that preach the gospel and, and flow and healing and signs and wonders. And I've seen other church, Catholic churches that are twice dead, pulled up from the roots, and people need to be arrested. <laughs> Just like Protestant churches too. Well, I want to tell you, my commitment, as long as I breathe, and as we move on in the years ahead, we move on into this building, and I'm going to get older, hallelujah, should the Lord tarry, and we don't get sucked off the planet. And I, and I, I graduate and, and die. I will have, along with this great team of staff and all of these amazing leaders, made an impartation of the next generation that we will always have joy here. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is here and a byproduct, if you will, of the, of the Holy Spirit is joy. So don't get mad at me if I skip a little bit and run around the room and say hallelujah. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> it's 1025. Where's your joy? Come on, lift your hands to Jesus all across this place. Oh, that's what happened to Mary. She's overwhelmed with joy. And, and that, should, that should take place in your life. He manifests himself through the gifts like prophecy. Elizabeth starts prophesying. She had no knowledge of her being pregnant. 
She had no knowledge of certainly her being the mother of the Messiah, if I could say it like that. Mary, the mother of God. I don't know this really what happened. Verse 42, and, and it reminds me of Old Testament prophets, and I, and I had you repeat it. In a loud voice, she excla- exclaimed, Blessed are you! I mean, a loud, Blessed are you among women! I mean, a loud voice. That, that, it's not, she's not whispering. And it really is, is a picture of Old Testament prophecy as well. Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child whom you bear. Why am I so favored? Mother of my Lord should come to me. I mean, she knows. Wow. The manifestation of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit ought to happen. Amen. And his work results in praise. Come on, when you think about what the Lord does, it'll result in praise. And he's related through praise. Let me explain that. He's related through praise. You see, I've had times, and, and, and maybe you know, you're more spiritual than me, I've had times where I didn't feel like praising him. I've had times where I'm just like, I don't want to lift my hands. I don't want to sing. I don't feel like worshiping right now. Is there anybody else, if you're honest, you've had those moments, like when you came in today? Say, so you don't understand my circumstances. Kids were in the back of the car. They threw up everywhere. It was just, and it doesn't smell like gingerbread. I turned around and feel what was going on, and my other kid was making fun of the other kid, and I began to correct him, and I lost control of my car, and I hit a telephone pole. And my wife's real mad at me because I was driving too fast like I always do, and you don't understand, it's been a difficult day. Hypothetical situation. If that actually happened to you, that is incredible prophetic insight. I don't know why. Learn this. Learn to be a worshiper no matter what you're going through. And I've found this at times where I, you know what, real, real, real heartfelt worship. It, I mean, you don't have to feel good to do it. In fact, you can be in the valley of the shadow of death. If you'll learn to live, come on, Paul and Silas in the midnight hour. Hey, in the midnight hour, it's dark. They're in the inner prison. That's not the outer prison. That means they're like in the dungeon, rats and, and stuff. And they begin to sing these songs and, and, and worship. And all of the prisoners are looking upon them. And what happens? An earthquake takes place. Their chains fall off and all the gates open. That is what happens if you'll learn to lift your voice. When I think about, when I think about Jehoshaphat, I think about Jehoshaphat and how he sent, how he sent the, the, the worshipers out before the, whoa, come on, somebody. Sent them out before the, the, before the army, and God sent ambushments. I'll tell you, if you learn to worship, if you'll have a magnificent revolution, Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Forget not all his benefits. He heals us of all our diseases, and he forgives us of all our iniquity. You'll learn to lift your voice in the midst of those situations. You'll see God manifest himself. Before you know it, I mean, I will tell you, I've had times where I live a sacrifice of praise. We give a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of thanksgiving, and we offer up to you the sacrifices of praise. You know what that means? 
You sing that when you don't feel like it because we don't worship him according to our feelings. We worship according to truth. And the circumstances of the vomit in the back of the car and the dent now in your truck or your vehicle, will God will turn it around if you'll just worship him and inhabit the praises of your people. You don't have to feel like worshiping. You just are a worshiper. And so I'm, I'm thankful for the Lutherans, Anglicans, Catholics, and brethren, but as long as they preach the gospel. But it really irritates me when they pick on a church that's filled with joy because you can't look at the Word of God and not see joy. This, what is this? Do you think, that she, do you think, she, do you think Mary's like, my soul doth magnify the Lord? Yeah, who am I that he would look upon me in my lowly state and choose me? Hari Ruya. I don't think it went like that. I don't think it went like that. I think she was like, oh, I mean, it was like something intense. It's like, it's like the, the guy who's, who's brought daily to you know, beg for alms. And they say, silver and gold have I none, such as I have, I give thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So they yank him and his ankles and his feet are made straight. And he begins to leap and jump and praise God. So in a main line denominational church, what would that look like? Leap. You missed it. Leaping. Or maybe, maybe this is a leap. It was way too charismatic right there. That would be a leap. Jump. Here's the jump. Praise God. Praise the Lord. I'm going to tell you something. He couldn't walk for 38 years. You ever seen somebody get their eyesight back? You ever seen somebody get their marriage healed? Have you ever seen somebody get saved who was on their way to hell and God saved them, healed them, said them? Ah! Hey, they can't help but hallelujah. They can't help but yada. They can't help but declare the glory of God. Oh, the praises of him who brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise will continually be in my come on shout to God all across this place man I don't know how I'm going to land this thing come on say praise the Lord don't forget what God has done and don't get upset about people getting excited I've irritated some people this morning, I know. But you're the one that got your shorts in a knot. Religious, bound, no joy. But stick around. You stick around and, and the joy that you feel and see expressed in the lives of the people of this house will get on you and before you knew it, you might be skipping a little bit too. And you'll see God manifest miracles in your life. Come on, can you say Hallelujah. Look at what the Lord is doing. Many times people don't praise God or worship him because they're not looking at what he's doing. Think about what he's done. God confirms what he says. 
He, tell, he didn't have to, the angel didn't have to tell Mary, go see Elizabeth. Why would God do that? Think about that. Why would God do that? Because he's saying, hey, you know Elizabeth was old. And you know they had no baby. And you heard about what happened in the temple and how he then retired, Zechariah, probably the last time he served. And they went home. Well, she's pregnant. <gasps> oh, yes, says the angel. I'm paraphrasing. Go check it out. So immediately she goes and checks out Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, sure enough, six months. What does that do for Mary? It's the Lord saying, not only can I do that for Elizabeth, but I've done it for you and the power of the Holy Spirit. This thing is true. It just caused her to be settled. Can you imagine the comfort that it brought this, the, 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 the Virgin Mary? Can you imagine? He confirms his ways. I'm so glad that God does that. Are you glad that God does that? I am. Ask God to open your eyes to see his plan. I said, ask God to open your eyes to see his plan. God, show me your plan. Come on, say that. Lord, show me your plan. And take steps of faith and praise him. Take steps of faith and praise him. For you know his character. What do you mean you know his character? God is good. And all the time, God is good. God is good all the time. His character, his integrity, his word. He's, it, just because he didn't do it for you this year, you think that he's not in control. He's in control of every infinitesimal detail, and he knows perhaps that if it was to take place this year, that thing that you're believing for. Come on, God is outside of time. You're in time. I'm in time. He's outside of time. He's in eternity. They say, Lord, when are you going to do that? He's like, in just a second. So if a, if a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day, just a second, you can do the math. It might take a little while. But it didn't take you like one month to get your life jacked up, some of you. Some of you have been serving God and now you're serving him. So you're serving him for like for real for like five years now. And so like you should be what? The paragon of virtue and, uh, and, and walking in, in complete perfection before the Lord, walking on water. I mean, everything's supposed to come about in five years. I just found that, you know, many times God's going to do this thing, but I'm not ready. So he prepares me. He's working on my character. He's helping me to grow so that I could actually have a capacity. Listen, some of you are asking God to do something for you. You don't have a capacity for. In fact, that guy that won the $314 million had no capacity to handle $314 million. And as a result, he's not only broke, he lost his daughter, he lost his wife, he lost his house, he lost all his money, he lost, he lost, he lost, and he's sick, and I think, I don't know if he's dead, I'd have to go finish reading it. I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, I could be trusted with that right now. <laughs> no, I mean, I had the thought. I had the thought, like, could I be trusted with that right now? Yes, but we'll always say that, don't we? Yeah. Unless we're honest and think, like, well, you can't handle, you, you know, I'm not talking about me. I'm just saying hypothetically, if somebody can't handle the money that they now have, you think you're going to handle $314 million? Some of you think that money's your problem. That's not the problem. You're the problem. Look what the Lord has done. Yeah. He healed my body. Repent of, of your own pride and self-centeredness. 
Has any, have they got any employers here? We have a lot of employers here. And uh, if you're an employer and you ever give an employee a raise and they like, no, they don't say thank you. You know, that is one of the most irritating things to me. Doesn't happen too often. The raises happen. It's the thank yous also happen. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But when you give somebody a raise and they don't say thank you, can you imagine how God feels? He spared you out of that car accident, that, that situation, that circumstance. He snatched you like a stick from the fire. You were headed to hell. You were headed to hell. And he saved you. And you're just like, do you even love me, God? Come on, be thankful. Be thankful. Don't, don't let pride, repent of your pride. Let's repent. Lord, forgive us. Can I have some keys, please? i got to land this plane. Let's repent of our own pride. Self-centeredness. Sometimes we don't praise God because we, don't, we, we think we earned it or something. You know what I've found in churches with pastors that, that fall? As many times I've found that the, the, the pastor, especially when there's success, especially when there's a measure of success and fruit, they have a tendency to get to a place where they're like, you know, the Lord needs them. So, no, I'm telling you, I, I've, done, I've done spiritual autopsies. I do them. When somebody, when somebody eats it, I like, they wipe out, you understand? They fail. I like looking at, how did that happen? And I like, I like interviewing. In a, in a gracious way to help a brother or a sister out and also to learn. Also, gonna, how did that happen? It's, it's, it's almost always the same. If nobody they could talk to, they weren't praying, they had a compromise in their life, and that compromise continued to grow, but the Lord needed them because of this big work that they were doing, or perceived big work. I mean, seriously. And then they, they fall. And they think they can get away. Listen, sin matters. We've got to be humble. We must be humble. That's amazing about this, this text is that she's, she's so humble, and Elizabeth too. Be humble, not thinking that you deserve something. Keep in mind that, that God humbles the proud and exalts the humble. This is where this revolutionary text comes out. I think it was in the 70s where we first heard Cassius Clay say, I'm the greatest. It was shocking. Because humility was taught as a virtue. It's not the way it is anymore. But we're restoring that. We're repristinating the word humble. To repristinate is to restore to its righteous place. Humility is a virtue. It's this whole selfie generation. It's a revolution. It really is. It's a, there's a moral revolution taking care of the poor. It's a moral revolution that, that Mary talks about under the power of the Holy Spirit. God's kingdom is very different than yours. Mine. Well, i got to correct that. It could be that God's God's declaration of what his kingdom is. If your life doesn't match up with that, then you need to correct things. His, his kingdom. I'm endeavoring to walk in his kingdom. To, I, I, I'm, I'm you're being part of the kingdom by receiving the king of the kingdom. It's not a geographical place. The kingdom of heaven is within you. He's within you when he lives into your heart, when you receive him as you repent and believe on the Lord. We're called to be servants. Let me, let me run that through just one more time. We're called to be servants. 
Who's the greatest among you? Well, it's not the guy with all the money and all the fame and all the fortune. Who's the greatest among you? According to the words of, the, of Scripture, the servant is the greatest among you. He divested himself of heaven, born in a manger. He was rich, yet he became poor that we might become rich. True wealth. True wealth. Humility. Examine your life. You've got to live yielded to God's will. Yield to God's will. I've got to hurry. Don't allow self-consciousness to rob you from praising God. I said don't allow, I mean, if you were to grade your worship today, where would you be? One to ten. Ten was like you were with the angels. So where were you? That'd be like a zero. <laughs> How'd you worship today? And listen, it's more than songs. Worship, worship happens. It's a lifestyle. It's, it's everywhere you go that when people look at you, they're like, whew, he must know God. There's something about him that's different. Or... Live a life free of sin. Number six, don't let circumstances keep you from praising God. And in conclusion, be a part of the magnificent revolution. Become a worshiper. A whole lifestyle. A whole lifestyle of worship. The way you work. The way you talk. The way you treat your husband. The way you treat your wife. The way you treat your kids. The way you drive. Hallelujah. The way you live. The way you sing. The Bible says that the reasonable act, considering all that he's done in Romans, this is a reasonable act. The, the reasonable thing, considering his death, his resurrection in Romans uh, 12, is to be a living sacrifice to him. That's what Mary was. Gave up her whole agenda to bring forth the Messiah. Let's have a magnificent revolution. Can you say Amen. Stand upon your feet all across this place. Father, thank you for what you've done, what you're doing. If you're not right with God, won't you give your heart to him right now? If that's you, would you pray this prayer? Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Come into my heart. Wash me and cleanse me. Thank you that your death and your resurrection brings me new life. Write my name in the Lamb's book and use me to be a worshiper. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would fill, touch, bless. Shatter. Shatter every lie. Lord, let us live unabashed, unashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation. May we never be reduced to a bunch of religious people that go through rituals. May we love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And may the, the halal of God, may the yada of God, may the, the, the worship and the praise of God come through us in our actions and our deeds to declare that you've risen again and that there's hope for all of humanity because 
of what you've done. And we thank you and we praise you. Come on, give them the best clap and praise and worship you got. Come on. Come on. Come on, you can do a little bit better. Hallelujah. Come on, a moment longer. Hey, God's on the throne. Glory. Come on, give a glory on three. One, two, three. Glory. May the Lord bless you, keep you, cause his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance towards you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.